Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Wikipedia takes us to a random article and we talk for a, like a minute about what we find and then a bunch of other guff. Dan, what are we talking about this week? This week, Simon, we're going to be talking for more than a minute, I think, because it's oh. interesting AF. Oh, it's it's not going to be about tort law or some bollocks, nope. is it? Nope. In fact, it's more up your strata than mine. Oh. We're talking about... Mars Pathfinder. Oh! Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, this is this is kind of relevant. We're going to get some SEO out of this episode for once. <laughs> this is what I thought. I was quite... I was quite... I, I wanted either something that we could kind of tag on to kind of current affairs, or I will be mentioning, of course, The Martian, um, mm. uh, book and film, uh, or I wanted Hay Fever as an article, because two days ago... Um, my my hay fever journey has begun. Now you're are you tree pollen that you're allergic to? No, I think I think I'm flowers because ah uh, okay. Not only being a dandy and that kind of fits my general aesthetic, <laughs> but also I remember so vividly whenever there was a whenever there's a kind of a new big concert that the cathedral choir was singing in Exeter Cathedral, um, the flor the team of florists would um would put out loads of new lilies and things, and I would just be streaming all all through the concert and it was nightmarish oh. i mean i had i am um, because you know at oxford they there's the tradition of wearing carnations mm. to to your exams and that is like a nightmare scenario if you have hay fever because you never want to be that guy in the exam hall everybody had this i swear when they went to school yeah. there was like one person in your exam that would always be going yeah <sighs> And like you know, in a gigantic sports hall, somehow this this noise would just permeate everywhere. And I'm pretty sure I was that guy because there was just a room full of pollen. I remember in, actually having a really a really heavy cold in one of my exams in Exeter. It was a, something classics, I think, in my maybe second year. Hmm. Um, and it was it was so ridiculous that I remember in each pocket I had two packs of. Um, tissues you're dual wielding i would just over the court every half an hour interchange the the two that i would have rammed up each nostril and then just keep writing so if anyone turned around <laughs> it looked like i had a horrific nosebleed it's um, like you or you can't help it obviously but you feel so guilty yeah. when you're the one in an exam that makes noise as well because you're like oh, i'm sorry i know i'm distracting you mars but, pathfinder um, <laughs> yes mars <laughs> yeah this is what the show's about Absolutely. yeah Mars Pathfinder is an American robotic spacecraft that landed a base station with a roving probe on Mars in 1997. A very good year. Mm. A very good year indeed. Uh, it consisted of a lander, renamed the Carl Sagan Memorial Station, and a lightweight, uh, 10.6 kilograms, wheeled robotic Mars rover named Sojourner. Is it Sojourner, wasn't it? I, I guess. I mean, so you... I, yeah, Sojourner. Just Sojourner sounds like some kind of sexual activity that's illegal in most states. Well, do you remember singing uh, the parry, Lord, let me know thine end? So I never actually sang. I recorded it for you, but I never actually sang that one. Something. One of the lines is a stranger with thee and a sojourner, as in someone who sojourns and travels. I thought it was sojourn. I think it's a. I think it's just a kind of pronunciation thing, and you can probably say both. But if it makes you feel safer, <laughs> Sojourner, which became the first rover to operate outside the Earth-Moon system. Wow. Wow. Okay, that's, it is, because, um, uh, well, we, we, for people who perhaps have been living under a rock, the reason we're saying this is in the news is because uh, recently the Ingenuity uh, 
Uh, so no, Perseverance rover landed on Mars and just this past week um, deposited the um, Ingenuity uh, helicopter. God, that sounds so crazy to say this. Yeah. But um, deposited a little helicopter that did the first powered flight on another body. You know, so we've we that's just over a century from doing the first powered flight on Earth to the first powered flight on another planet. It's crazy, isn't it? That is unbelievable, isn't it? But also, as somebody pointed out to me, it does technically because um, the uh, Perseverance rover has a tiny nuclear thermal reactor in it, mm. and it deployed an aircraft. It does make it technically part of the United States. Uh, fleet of nuclear aircraft carriers. Crazy. <laughs> it's just like the the smallest by quite some distance in the in the the class. Did you listen to any of the audio recordings? Yeah, they're spoopy. They aren't really they? are very spoopy. There's a line in one of the uh, Gaunt's Ghost books by Dan Abner, uh, which is like the the sharp in space of Warhammer Forty Thousand. But mm. there's there's the horror version. Well, not the horror version. The horror edition. And what there's a line that keeps coming up through the whole book about the wind sounded like it was blowing through. Uh, oh, I can't remember the exact wording, but it's basically wind blowing through empty skull sockets, like eye sockets in skulls mm. in a dusty valley. Mm. And that's kind of what it sounded like on Mars. Yeah. It's just this this wind that is blasting across a landscape that is is, is literally alien. It's it's ah oh, really gives you the shivers. Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty spooky. But it's crazy to think that the first rover was 1997, and how far we've come in the past what 25 years. It's unbelievable. Yeah, it's incredible, really, when you think about how. So, for instance, when I, I said I'd mention, and I and I am about to, uh, The Martian, mm. a film that I actually really enjoyed, uh, a film that didn't deserve when it was nominated for best comedy, wasn't it? Comedy or musical? <laughs> yeah, something like basically it didn't belong in in that in the category. Uh, in that it was category. In, no. <laughs> um, it's a very good film, but it didn't belong there. Um, and uh, that's when I first kind of really, I don't know, came across Pathfinder because not being a a science uh, man, not being mm. a man of science. Um, <laughs> Who are you, so wise in the ways of science? I uh, I hadn't really come across it before, but it's it's incredible and and really very kind of. It's simple, you know, like it, mm. the, the, the kind of the beauty of it is its simplicity. It looks like something that wouldn't be out of place in the first season of Robot Wars or possibly the techno games, if yeah, you remember that. It's this weird kind of folding pyramid, isn't it? Yeah, Pathfinder was like a pyramid that it, it bounced away. The way that they got it on the surface safely was they fired it at the planet, then surrounded it with airbags. It bounced across the surface and then, you know, those airbags deflated and it unfolded and unfurled like a bunch of petals uh, to reveal the rover inside, which is kind of... Who on earth brought that up in a, in a meeting, you know? Mm. <laughs> they were like, wait a minute, it's just crazy, but it, it's crazy enough to work. Um, and then the the actual rover... So when I said it was something that, like, Reverend Robot was, I meant so sojourner uh or sojourner um that is like a little it's very cute i think it's by far the cutest rover we've ever put on another planet um the i i think was it was it pathfinder in the martian or was it the rover that he used he took the nuclear reactor out of or something like that i think he took the nuclear he took the reactor out of an old it must have been the 
the Sojourner, Sojourn uh, rover. But but they both have solar panels. I didn't actually think they had nuclear... Hang on, I'm going to have to look this up now. Because I don't think that he took anything out of Pathfinder because he used Pathfinder. I think he must have he must have kind of reclaimed. That was it. He used the, the camera from it, uh, which is how he communicated via like putting signs up yeah. and he, via ASCII. Yeah, that was it. I swear that he he also take took the nuclear reactor. He did he did use it for power and warmth, knowing that he was kind of radiating himself. Yeah, he's also radiating himself by being on the surface of Mars, of course. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Mars does not have a magnetosphere, so one of the big challenges of colonizing or just visiting Mars is the fact that you are being blasted by X rays and uh, gamma rays from the sun at an alarming rate of knots. Yeah. I'm just looking. I think the film doesn't depict him actually picking up uh, like the fuel cells. No, there's a bit where it it kind of cuts to a moment where he said the one thing that you shouldn't do, and there's a little there's a little kind of thing in the ground. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yes, I remember this. Like, don't dig up the don't don't get don't dig up these rods. And he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and dig up those things yeah, I should. The rods. <laughs> Oh, there are some wonderful moments that they they really actually captured in the film from the book. There was one that was like, uh, you know, how on earth is this guy doing mentally? You know, how 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 does being the only man on an entire planet affect a person? And then it cuts to him and he's like, how can Aquaman talk to whales? They're not even fish. They're mammals. Yeah. (laughs) Like. It's, if people haven't read the book, by the way, especially if you're like an engineering type, like someone, you know, math, STEM subject, you know, if you're studying STEM subjects, it's fascinating because mm. it is like an engineer, uh, to quote his phrase, um, uh, oh God, what is it? Is it science the out of this? I think. Yeah, I'm going to have to say <laughs> he describes yeah. it. <laughs> but also um, something, I, I am going to bring this back skillfully to the article, Dan. Very nice. um, something that is... Uh, also in the book is the bizarre sense of humour that engineers have. Mm. Uh, have you met Dan Hanvey, for example? Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I'm looking at the um, Sojourner article, and they have an annotated picture from the lander of what the lander could see. And there are, obviously, there will be certain objects that they'll be more interested in than others. And mm. so they are, they're going to name them so they can be like, oh, rather than having a look at rock A5720, they have names like Hassock. Um, but going, there is actually a rock here, but named after our dear friend Ed Dunn, called Pooh Bear. There is a, a <laughs> next to that in the distance is Big Crater. Wow. And Far Knob. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely knew what they were doing. I like I like uh, Roadrunner Flats and Jenkins. <laughs> also, Barnacle Bill, <laughs> a rock that's right next to the, the lander, uh, along with Souffle and Pop-Tart. Incredible. Scooby-Doo, and then right next to each other, Zaphod and Indiana Jones. Uh, Not a pairing I would have ever put no, together, no. I, don't, I don't think. But, ah, oh, man, these early missions, it's such a fascinating time to be alive, to see these early results coming in from other planets. And it's frustrating to know that I'm probably going to die mm. before man is going to be able to make regular missions. I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to be alive to see the first person, which I said man, I realise now, is all, probably would be a woman, actually. Women make better astronauts. I don't know if you know this. Because they're less prone to heart problems and they uh, require fewer calories and take up less space. Huh. So actually, they make better astronauts than men. Mm. But um, And originally, uh, the Mercury 
uh, astronauts, the first cohort of American astronauts, was 50% men and 50% women. But um, basically, the the top brass were, got word of this and were like, absolutely f not. Like, we're not putting women in space. Um, so the first the first woman in space was um, Soviet. It was Valentina... Yeah, Valentina Tereshkova, the first uh, first woman in space. Um, but yeah, like it is, it is um, frustrating to know that you know you're not going to be part of the generation of people regularly going over to Mars. You know, yeah. like I, I mean, I find that frustrating. Maybe you, you couldn't give a monkeys. I'm just reading um, the most recent BBC News Science and Environment article about Ingenuity's second flight, hmm. and in a sort of throwaway paragraph. They say something which really is really, I mean, I think is really cool. Uh, and it says, all told, it's been a stunning week for the space agency, which also successfully demonstrated how you could make oxygen from Mars's carbon dioxide atmosphere. A device called MOXIE, yes, Moxie was yeah. able to generate five grams of O2, an amount of gas sufficient for an astronaut on the red planet to breathe for 10 minutes. That's incredible. It, yeah, right? <laughs> that, th this is like red Mars, green Mars, blue Mars stuff, right? Yeah, uh, and it's I think one of the one of the fascinating things about missions at the moment is that they are linking them up. So Moxie is like a proof of concept for you know you can send a mission in advance to generate oxygen for astronauts to breathe, so they don't have to bring that equipment with them. But then they're also doing um, I think it's Perseverance that's doing this. Uh, that they're taking samples, processing them, and then packaging them up and then pooping them out at the back of the rover for another rover from the European Space Agency to pick up and return to Earth. Mm. Like, they're, you know, they're, they're spreading the load across multiple missions. And that, to me, is so cool. And it's, again, it's like people going to the new world for the first time and being like, right, can we... Can we eat the fruit over here? Cool. Okay. Right. Next time, we're gonna we're gonna tell people that they don't have to worry about food. Um, you know, like that that kind of uh, super early exploration stuff, which is it's just the coolest. Shit. It's so interesting. Mm. The, 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 this is one of the things that I, I did see a meme that was like when you turn when boys turn four, and I apologize for the gendering there, but it's in the meme. Uh, you basically have to choose between dinosaurs, trucks, space, and uh, like Romans, and that is what defines your personality as a child. Yeah. And I, I am definitely one of the people that you know chose space. Mm. Like I, I, I have always been fascinated by this stuff. It's just amazing. There's another, there's another line here, just briefly, that says, "On Monday, Ingenuity made history by performing the first powered controlled flight on another world." And that, I don't think of Mars being another world, but of course it is because I don't think I ever mm. really consider other worlds. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And and in a couple of years, they're doing a mission to I think it's Titan. That's a uh, the Dragonfly mission, if I remember rightly. Oh, that's really? going to be a much larger um, helicopter. This was kind of more of a proof of concept, I think. Um, but the, the fascinating thing about this was um, there's there's obviously Mars's atmosphere is a lot thinner. It's about one percent as thin as Earth's atmosphere. Sorry, as thick as Earth's atmosphere. And um, that means that when you move a rotor blade through it, you generate a lot less lift, obviously, because you know you're pushing against less air. But what that means is you have to balance rotating the blades fast enough to generate the lift, but not so fast that you exceed the speed of sound on Mars. Yeah. With the, uh, because if you if the rotor blade tip exceeds the speed of sound, you generate a shock wave, and what that does is effectively kill all of the lift 
that you would generate from the rotors. Yeah. So it's super fine balancing, making it you know spin fast enough to capable to be capable of lift, but not so fast that you actually destroy the lift in the first place. Yeah, yeah. That, it, it, like that's isn't that crazy? That is, it's nuts. I didn't know about that Titan thing too either, which is which kind of that's incredible. Well, because Titan's a lot more uh, acceptable, I think, for for flight because it's got a much th- much thicker atmosphere. Yeah. Um, oh wow, I'm just looking at a render now of what the Dragonfly mission could look like. It looks like something from James Cameron's Avatar. Really? Like, no, it's be, like a proper. It's like one of those giant um, uh, quadcopter things. Oh yeah! Wow. Isn't that cool? But it's going to launch in 2027, so it's going to land. Uh, in the mid 2030s. And have you seen? I forget what they're calling it, but the the new big ship that's coming out of um, uh, what's SpaceX? Yeah, SpaceX. Yeah, uh, the um, oh Jesus! I was watching a video. I watch a video about the progress every week. Uh, Starship. That's it. Starship, um, yeah. So so if people are interested in that, there's a great guy um, on YouTube, and he he's also in the Twitch comments, uh, sort of like Twitch chat sometimes on my channel uh, called Matt Laum, who does a show every Monday that is recapping what's happened in spaceflight this week and what's going to happen in the next week, and also what happened that week in history. Um, really, really interesting show because uh, there's a whole section that's basically because they do so much, like space flight, uh, SpaceX's what's new in the world of Starship, and you know, keeping track of what all the the prototypes are. Like, I am absolutely not an Elon fanboy. I have a lot of problems with how he does, but um, you know, it is just to see how dynamic that stuff is to do to do with Starship is fascinating to me. And I think also having someone having having a personality like Elon Musk wanting to be at the forefront of interplanetary interstellar kind of exploration is quite exciting because it makes it sexy yeah, doesn't it it makes it sexy but i think it also with someone who is just so creative and basically doesn't take no for an answer and and with it being private you know like i th- i think it's a good combination to have having a private company working with um, a government agency like NASA, yeah, and kind of using the two powers combined rather than like this idea of a space race, which I was, which still probably you know is still a thing on the kind of national uh, international stage. That's going to be more of a thing in the coming years because I don't know if you heard, but uh, Russia is basically pulling out of the International Space Station. Oh, really? Um, saying fine, we'll make our own with you know blackjack and hookers. Yeah. Um, but they they are viewing that kind of era i think of international cooperation as being not dead but certainly you know waning um and you know i think in the coming years you're probably going to see another space race of potentially china and the, uh, the united states and russia and you know you could also put esa europe in as a as a competitor in there yeah. to to these firsts like get, you know getting a first person on on mars but then also first colony on the moon and you know potentially all these just incredible things that were just science fiction 50 years ago uh, we're probably going to see some of them in our lifetimes yeah well we had a we had a neighbor in the netherlands um who well like a family friend um who the father worked for the european space agency oh really um and yeah and he was he was involved with the one of the first satellites launched that was like laser powered oh i remember you saying yeah. about this it's amazing because yeah. he, he, he used to you know he used to go up into his office and bring down like this the most beautiful like miniature model and i say miniature it, it would have been i don't know the size of 
um, a bigotry, like a like a rugby ball, let's say. So it was really yeah. detailed, and he was explaining. He basically he, to me being, I would have been in year, I don't know, f- five or six at school, and he said, "You've seen the Star Wars films?" And I was like, "Yeah." And I said, "You know, they've got those big blue lights on the back, and that's how they move." It's like, yeah, and he's like, yeah, that's what we've done. <laughs> and it was, it was so, he was the most fascinating, lovely man. Um, yeah, really cool. And he took us on a tour of um, of one of the sites in the Netherlands. Um, oh, it was really cool. Jealous. Yeah. So, uh, just speaking of science fiction, I'm still on. The, I'm on the Dragonfly Wikipedia page now, and there's just a, a small section on the side here, which is, uh, you know, unbelievable to me that this is happening but it's just a little section that says titan aircraft landing date 2036 landing site the shangri-la june fields amazing name for one thing and then distance covered they're planning to cover five miles per flight Jeez. like it's 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 it, I, I can't articulate I, I don't know what to do with my hands right now <laughs> I, this is my one of my favorite episodes of the show, I think, because it's we've we really rolled a D one million and landed on something that like it, it's so it's obviously not primal because there's no way that prehistoric humans had any concept of spaceflight. But that I guess that kind of exploration, that that urge to explore the next valley and what's in that cave and and that kind of stuff, and and potentially discovering these these amazing things that were previously just stories yeah you know that were myths myths made real that's that's what space exploration is that's crazy. um and, oh, oh god how long have we been talking god we actually need to get on with the rest of the show i don't want to leave this behind dan this is the first time this has ever happened i don't want to leave this wikipedia article yeah it's gonna res- i think it's gonna result in another kind of another procrastination binge later today of just looking up what's going on yeah absolutely i need to do a video on dragonfly that's amazing but also, you know, it's it's fine. It's not like anything very interesting has happened in the past week or two. Um, so, you know, we haven't got too much left to talk about. But one thing I am going to have to tear myself away from this screen. I'm going to close the window. Um, one one thing that we do need to talk about, Dan, is having you recommend a new Coral Piece of the Week. And this will be my Piece of the Week. Drum roll, please. You haven't listened to any, have you? I absolutely have. Oh! I absolutely have. And once again, I'm going to be recommending an entire album mm-hmm. um, because it it's glorious. Um, and it is Magnificat 2. <laughs> oh, Electric Boogaloo! Which is the new album that's come out from uh, the Choir of St. John's College, Cambridge. Very fine. And it is honestly perfection. It is just beautiful. Uh, in 2019, they released their first Magnificat album, um, which was kind of met with critical acclaim and considered uh, just a kind of masterpiece in not only a really nice selection of canticles on offer, but just the standard mm. to which the recordings um, were, were were taken. It was just incredible. I didn't think that they'd ever make a sequel to the Magnificat, but, you know, the church is always trying to reinvent itself, right? Yeah. Uh, Magnificat (laughs) 3, the musical on ice, is coming out in 2023, (laughs) which we're all really looking forward to. 
flashback to that video. Do you remember that video that somebody made of us where we found there was an ice skater that looked exactly like me and they photoshopped your face uh, onto yeah. their female partner? Yeah. Was, that's playing in my head red free right now. <laughs> also, looking at the track listing, this is, I, I never thought about this really, but possibly already know. When do you think um, Herbert Howells died? Ooh, 60s? See, I would have originally guessed, yeah, like mid-century. He died in 1983. Oh, right, yeah. That probably makes... That's probably about right. Like, way later... And also, incidentally, the same year that William Walton died. And I would never have guessed that William Walton was alive in 1983. Yeah. Well, well, this looks a lovely album art, it's, actually. It's, yeah, I mean... And if you, if you kind of look at what St. John's has been putting out over the last, I don't know, five, six years, all of the album mm. art is in the same style. It's really slick. Yeah, I like that a lot. It's just beautiful, but the the recordings are just out of this world. The attention to detail, um, the sound that Andrew Nethsinger is getting out of out of his treble front row is just beautiful, and it's it's real. I was having a conversation with a friend about this, and um, for something like a collegiate choir uh, at at any university where a, a kind of a chapel choir exists, really, you can make the kind of first. Uh, the, the first differences to note are whether there there is a front row of a kind of adult female singers like there is at, say, um, the University of Exeter Chapel Choir, or whether mm. um, that uh, that particular chapel choir has a front row of boy or girl or both choristers. Um, and I think as soon as... Obviously, it affects the sound, uh, and I really... Pref- I personally prefer a front row of, of trebles but i think in part of having those younger kind of more malleable voices mm. you can really hear the kind of the humanity in the music whereas with something that you might have um with a with a front row of adult um females um sopranos um you can you can be quite a lot more clinical in your attempts to get perfection and I think with that, you can run the risk of taking a lot of what's so brilliant about the music away. Mm. You know, I, I, I like to hear, you know, every now and then when you can hear, I don't know, a, a, a breath from a boy chorister when they've been told not to breathe in that gap, but you can just hear the kind of slightest little, oh, he's forgotten uh, or she's mm. forgotten. Um, whereas, the, whereas the kind of, as I say, clinical precision that you can get elsewhere, I think can sometimes detract actually from the music because it's, for me, I don't listen to choral pieces and I want them to be absolutely kind of laser perfect. Yeah. Um, I want to have, I want to be reminded of the humanity behind the music. And I think this new album is just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I I know, I totally get what you're saying. I and mean, I've said this before about composers actually. Like sometimes I think I really... Um... I prefer Handel to Bach mm. because Bach is almost too perfect. Like it's like a robot came down to earth and was like, oh, this is how you write music. Mm. Like, whereas with Handel, there's, there is that kind of, not imperfections, that's not the right word, but there is that humanity in it. Yeah. So I, I totally get what you're saying, but um, yeah, to me, I, I, yeah, I, I think if I had a, if I had to choose a choir to listen to, I would probably choose adult Treble, sorry, not adult trebles. Uh, sopranos. Yeah. Um, personal choice, um, but you know, a good treble line. Like um, I don't know if it's still the case anymore, but certainly a little while ago, New College Oxford was 
phenomenal yeah. for its boy choristers. Yeah, they... Far better than King's College Cambridge, which is just the, the most successful branding like ever, right? Like everybody knows about King's College Cambridge, whereas there are far better Cambridge colleges. Like Trinity is the, for my money, the best um, college choir in Cambridge. Yeah, see, I think that, see, that's the interesting thing, isn't it? Because there are some things, of course, where for the ensemble, it would be not inappropriate, but you'd be fighting, I think, a losing battle to try and do certain works with child choristers. Mm. Um, For instance, you know, let's take um, Tenebrae's, recording of the path of miracles you know there's some works that are just written that yeah you know it it doesn't but but equally then comparing i don't know comparing recordings of a passion st matthew or st or st john or the b minor mass for instance and i think it's works like that that are so liturgy forward yeah that real precision and accuracy and kind of it, it suddenly becomes quite i don't know almost automated and as soon as you get that inkling, for me, I'm kind of gone. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't probably listen to Tenebrae sing, um, sing a, a B minor mass or a Passion. I'd prefer to hear someone like the Sixteen or um, mm. or, or a, a kind of ensemble that that takes the liturgy first and doesn't think we're going to have to record this piece, you know, umpteen times because we need it to be perfect. Yeah. But then there are other things, as I say, like the path of miracles um or, or or kind of i don't know more what's the word more pieces that you get a sense of a a kind of a choral landscape as opposed to an offering to something whatever you want to call that through music i think is the difference right yeah i'll tell you what though one of my speaking of the imperfections you might know the recording um that i specifically am talking about here one of the pieces that we're going to have performed uh, in, by including by you, of course, at um, Pixel Girl and I's wedding mm. is um, "Blessed Be the God and Father" uh, by Wesley, yes. and there is a recording by St John's Cambridge, and you know there's that lovely treble solo in the middle of you know love one another with a pure heart fervently, yes, um, and. <laughs> There's, a, there's the, basically the climax of that solo where it really soars up to like a I couldn't tell you what note it is but with a with a pure fervently mm. but they clearly told the the treble be like you know just just really go for it like this is your moment and he really like <laughs> this kid is like with a pure on, how does he do it it's like a proper with a pure <laughs> Yeah, and he just gives it the beans, and I'm like, you don't, yeah, you wouldn't get that with Tenebrae or the Sixteen yeah. or something. And it is so much more like it's almost like you can imagine being in the church a bit more. Mm. Like you can practically see his shoulders rise up. Be like, Pierre, <laughs> give it the old, the old Hugo Wickham. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, if you had to pick a, a college choir in Cambridge or Oxford, which would you, which would you pick? Do you think? Ooh, that's so difficult. I think for me, it's it's got to be St John's for Cambridge. Um, mm. I just love their sound. I think it's so great, and it and for me, it's the sound that has that humanity behind it. You know. Yeah. And then I don't know, Oxford. I do love New College, but then Queens actually. The Queens College Oxford has put some really cool stuff out with Owen Rees as their director, and I, I've I've listened to quite a few of their albums. They did a um I think a Howells one recently, um. Which was which was pretty um pretty incredible. I mean, I'm going to give an honorary mention to St Peter's, not necessarily because they're the best, but just because I have loyalty. Of course. But 
Um, yeah, I think I think New and Queens are probably the best in Oxford, and you know, if I <sighs> Trinity, Trinity, I think is my favourite in Cambridge with St John as a close runner up. But I think just based on oh god it depends piece by piece really if i had to pick one like out of all of them i might pick new college oxford to be fair i just like i like the sound of their front row mm. let us know what your favorite <laughs> oxbridge chapel got everybody stopped listening down yeah. they were like oh wow uh, uh, you know an episode about about science and and mars simon's gonna be so interested in this and then 15 minutes of chapel choir talk <laughs> Gotta love it. You've got to love it. But anyway, Magnificat 2, Electric Boogaloo. That is your choral piece of the week. Yeah. Okay, Dan, we we have been recording for a while. This is going to be a bumper episode, I think, because you had something that you wanted to talk about in Critics' Corner. Yeah, I did. And it's only going to be a kind of little fleeting remark, but I've been been altering my my morning routine somewhat in, uh, Mm -hmm. in what I'm drinking specifically because i've i've hard I've, liquor hard the hardest of it frozen whiskey is what i'm like Ken, kentucky bourbon straight out of bed knocks back a bourbon i do love i do love a, a kentucky bourbon though must admit it's really nice i've been drinking um buffalo trace oh okay i don't have which that. is really nice really nice and and they're kind of you know staple for an old-fashioned um mm. but yeah I, i'm i'm typically a tea drinker I I probably have maybe famously four yes. or five cups a day at least, um, but I've been shifting uh, to coffee in the morning. Certainly before kind of eleven, mm-hmm. uh, just because it's quite nice to sit up at my desk reading whatever law it is I'm reading and kind of sipping on a coffee because I can I can drink tea like it's going out of fashion, you know. <laughs> um, and I think it would have been maybe two years ago I invested in uh, a. Uh, Nespresso coffee like pod machine. Oh yeah. Because they're convenient. Yeah. I really like the taste. Um and sometimes when you're wanting to I mean I, I'm not going to spend however many hundreds and hundreds of, of pounds you need to spend on, on a really good kind of bean to cup proper coffee machine. Yeah, um, yeah. Nespresso I've been really impressed with. And you can recycle the pods, I believe. You can recycle the pods. And the only difference is you can't recycle them particularly easily in that they've got to go to a specific place. You can't just put the re- pods in a recycling bin. For yeah, instance. yeah. But what you can do is go onto the website with your account and request a pickup. And they'll just come free of charge and pick up and recycle your pods for you, which is I think is pretty great. That's what we used to do. Because Pixel Girl now has... Oh, plane's just flown by my window. Very low. That's troubling. It's actually now banking straight towards me as if it heard me say that. I don't want to alarm you, but this might be the last episode of the Wikicast, Dan. There's a Cessna 182 bearing down on me. Should we just hold on for a moment? This is like 50 metres off the ground. I'm not even joking. Wow. Are you alright? Yeah, I think it was just doing a reconnaissance flight. Right. Uh, Okay, we're all good. That was actually genuinely a wee bit scary. It was like, it heard me say something, and then it just turned directly towards the house. It's not doing a (laughs) Wikicast flyover. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's like you know uh like people that write in smoke behind um yes we should pay somebody oh now that's a way we could spend the Wikicast money dan that's true on what day though on the what on the morning of the election <laughs> over london <laughs> what is this, so like the 6th of may <laughs> that'd be incredible just download the Wikicast on your podcast service of choice, or just Wikicast. Yeah, I wonder. Just, just the word Wikicast. I wonder how much that would cost. 
Oh, this is where someone in the in the readership is like, I actually do that for a living, and I could do that for you. That would be honestly incredible. I'm going to have to look up to that. How much does it cost? I'm going to Google this right now. Um, how much does it cost to have a plane right in the sky? Let's have a look. Skywrite. Oh my god. Okay. Skywriting starts at $3,500 for a single writing. What do they define as a writing? I don't know. Because you could say that, yeah, that book I wrote was my first writing, and I don't think they would write the whole book, would they? Although thinking about it, like, that's not necessarily the best look for me personally, because I'm so against, like, aviation yeah, as true. a carbon source. <laughs> I'm like, lol, let's just send a plane up to write the name of my podcast. Okay, let's uh, <laughs> let's maybe not do that. Okay, what a wild, what a wild ride. Hey, I wonder if you know that there are these partnerships with, as we were talking earlier about SpaceX and NASA working together, the combination of public and private entities working towards a greater goal. Yeah. I wonder if you can buy advertising space on something that goes up, and if so, can we send them a Wikicast sticker? <laughs> and can we get it on some, can we have the wikicast represented on imagine on this on this kind of premiere flight to titan we can have a wikicast wikicast sticker on one of it's one of saturn's moons isn't it yeah titan is yeah that would be amazing that'd be amazing Thousands of years later, archaeologists will find it and be like, this must have been so important to their culture. This must have been, like, crucial for it to be on the first mission. Yeah. The prophets, Simon and <laughs> Da'an. Oh, man. I think I'm going to this. I'm gonna be looking up this at the weekend. I'm going to see what advertising space costs on a, on a satellite. <laughs> Jesus, this is a wild episode, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, you, you start drinking coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. I start, I've, I've been drinking more coffee of late, and I had to buy more pods and mm -hmm. i've recently normally go for kind of like a fairly standard kind of mid-strength um something like that either i think they call it a roma pod or a corto pod they're quite nice oh, right, but yeah. i picked up one of the kind of slightly more edgy ones and this one was called creme brulee Mm -hmm. And it's just lovely. It's just really nice. It's a kind of a little it's like a little mid-morning treat. Because you know it's got like kind of like a vanillary sweet kind of. Mm. I'm not one for who kind of wanders into a Starbucks and say, "Well, I've, I, I don't." Yeah, think you're I've... a savoury kind of person. You don't go for sweet yeah, stuff. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's not overly sweet. It's just different. Um, and uh, I I really like it. It's nothing like a you know. Can I have a Can I have a mega giga frappa cappuccino with almond <laughs> milk ice? And can it be? shaken under the full moon uh and then strained <laughs> into my own cup that i've brought which i also like sacrificed something under you know like the, the really kind of silly silly coffee world um <laughs> but uh yeah it's really yummy uh nespresso thanks very much it's great it will never replace yorkshire tea i'm afraid uh but spiff will be delighted it's pretty good it's pretty good well, I had, a, I had a little thing that happened to me this past uh, couple of weeks. The, the two weeks since we last recorded. Mm -hmm. um, I did a D&D &D show on uh, my Twitch. Oh, cool. And that's now going to be a regular thing. I actually just today bought the domain rpgeeks.co.uk. Um, and uh, that's now going to be, a, a hopefully, 
uh, well, we're hoping to do a weekly show, but uh, every other week is going to be the campaign, and the alternative weeks are going to be what we've started calling the D&D brief. Oh, very good. Basically talking through the science that we kind of ran across in the D&D campaign. Um, people seem to enjoy the um, the first episode, well, the one shot that we did, um, and we had some wonderful character art done by uh, Calamity Cass from, oh, yeah. from the community. Uh, my character was basically just Ed Dunn. I, I, I literally just sent her that as my, for the artwork, my character is Ed Dunn. <laughs> like, can you make the eyebrow look a bit more arrogant? Uh, was pretty much the only, only feedback I, I gave her. Um, but uh, yeah, and, and that was a... Um, like a big a big thing for the the channel and something that I'm really excited to do in the future because it's totally unlike so much of the other stuff that I do yeah. really. Well, that's so exciting. Oh, and I announced that I've I've written a book. Yeah, I, I heard about that. Anyway, so what's the next bit of the podcast? Uh, it's Patreon corner next, yeah, I think. I think so. Top lad. Patreon. But Dan, what is Patreon? Hang on. Wait. <laughs> no, you've got to carry the show. You got... Wait. <laughs> our, pro- our producers looking at us through the window, Dan, they're like, you know, making that like, can't keep it moving, Dan gesture. We're running out of time. Patreon. We can't disappoint the producer, Dan. <laughs> Do we? Who? I want one. <laughs> what? I want a producer. I want to have a producer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that'd I be great. I want to wear a top hat and a cane and drive the chorus girls insane. Thank you, Mel Brooks. Pinch their that, cheeks so. like, oh, 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 oh. Indeed. Yeah, I think we need a producer. I think we need someone to bankroll us. Daddy Elon. Daddy Elon. Perhaps. Shall I get him no, on the... I hate that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, get, I'll get him a... I'll, I'll give him a bell and see, see if he's free. He probably doesn't have much on. Yeah, I imagine he's got like a gap in his schedule from... Most of Thursday. Yeah. Or I could reach out to John Rutter through the Memorial Home for Injured Swans and say. There we go. We set up the home for him. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's the we least did. he could do. <laughs> we did. Weirdly, he, in the email response back, I think he was a little bit perturbed that we'd were kind of like portraying him as, uh, well, deceased. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> the reports of my death have been greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Well, Patreon, uh, patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast is how this nonsense happens. It's it's how the show is funded. You guys are our producers, of course. That's really how this works. True. Um, and people donate for to ho- cover the cost of hosting and possibly sending... We now have a variety of pledges we've made down. Like, we were going to put you in a gimp suit if we reach $500 a month raised. We were going to go to camp in Antarctica if we raised $2,000 in a month. And now we might be sending a Wikicast sticker to space. Yeah. We're nothing if not ambitious. Indeed. And I'd like to say a massive thank you to those who support the best of tiers, the top dog tier. Um, Wrong. (laughs) Just wrong. Wrong. Um, So without further ado, I'd like to say thank you to Ben Caples, Josh Shiaga, Henry VII, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Aaron Carey, Augustin, Adrian Chan, Naf Laroch, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Remnar, Lexi at Front Desk, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Thank you so much. 
Whereas I would like to thank actually the best group of people, the best tier of people that support the show at petrol.com forward slash the wikicast. Uh, and that, of course, is the people supporting at top cat level. Those people would be a little. <laughs> Why did I originally read that as Olivier? It's definitely just Oliver. Oliver, Violet Hatch, Abu El Ella, the Physics Boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy Christie, Nafi Iftikar, Christopher Betterton, Dame Valerie the Third. Whoa. Wow. Whoa. Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie. Hang on, is that two? Like, Oliver Craigie, have you created two email addresses? You're supporting us by far too much. Didn't Oliver email in one week and say, that's what's happened? Oh, yeah. They forgot their login, maybe? Yeah. Something like that. Well, we really appreciate your double support. Doubly more than anybody else on this list. Oh, jeez. Uh, but we, also, I guess, some kind of thank you to Will Janice Humphreys, Rents Kirk, Oliver Burkhart, Omar Miranda, Colm Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Choco Cat, Ben Dent, Isabel Ostrowski, Matt McGuire, and the one and only Dan Hanvey. I'm a bit disappointed I don't get a royal name to read out, you know? Mm. Fix that, please, ladies and gentlemen. Top lad. And it's that time again when we're in correspondence corner. We have an e- <laughs> that sigh. It's that time <sighs> I'll, again. I'll, I'll do. I'll do that again. I meant to. I meant to make it sound sort of, kind of homely and relaxing. And what I did was make it sound incredibly dull. So I'm gonna. I'll, I'll redo that. So. <laughs> the producer's going again. Again. <laughs> do it through again. the glass window. Just do it right this time. You're gonna get the hose again. And it's that time again when we're in correspondence corner. Oh, how homely. Beautiful. Uh, We've got an email here from Cameron. Cameron Steele. Uh, It's titled, My Ever-Improving Relationship with Sports. It begins, I've got great parents. There's no need to brag, Cameron. Uh, As a a child, they were always trying to help me find a sport that I enjoyed, hoping to add some variety to my development. The first thing I tried was soccer. 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 Um, despite being barely more than a toddler, I made an arch enemy on my very first day and was kicked out of there by the second. It was for the best. Any longer, uh, and there would have been more than one ball getting kicked. <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Uh, <laughs> next was T-ball. My coach asked me to stay where I was, then he walked off with the other players. <laughs> <laughs> He was, oh, a, he was assigning field positions, you see. I thought he was. I was being ostracised. <laughs> I ran back to the car and cried my eyes out. Thus ended my less than 30-second membership in the T-ball team. Is T-ball like baseball? I guess. I, I, I thought T-ball was like terrible, you know, the one where it's just like a ball and a string. If they're assigning field positions, it must be like, or like, maybe like softball or something. Well, isn't softball... I, I'm a bit confused about all these variants of baseball, I'm not going to lie. Softball is baseball, but with a soft ball. But is it actually? I thought a softball was actually like a hard shell. Or is it just a bigger ball? Maybe. I think it's. I think it is slightly bigger. Right. Okay. Um, I tried volleyball in elementary school. Scored a point with my first hit. I also broke a blood vessel in my hand. Went to the nurse. Didn't go back. Okay. Fair. Eventually, I got a PlayStation Move with a game called Sports uh, Sports Champions. It included gladiatorial combat, which I enjoyed. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Brilliant. This is character development. It is. You know? Cameron's been on a journey. I enjoyed it so much, in fact, that I lost, lost 50 pounds in three months. Wow! Reaching a healthy weight for the first time in, in, my, in memory and also became immensely agile and quite acrobatic. 
And that's the story of how video games became my favourite sport. P.S. Do you ever think you'll read out part three of the podcast trials? I have a right to ask, I think. I check with my lawyer, but he hasn't got a degree yet because he plays too much World of Warcraft. <laughs> um, Cameron, well, yes. um, we do we do have that, yes. In um, Gosh, where has that even gotten to, podcast trials? Is it, prob- is it in fan fiction? It will be in the fan fiction folder, I'm sure. Yeah. And uh, if it has been sent to us, because that might be a... You know, are, are you going to read it? Because, you know, if so, I will send it. Um, yes, we'd, we'd absolutely be up for reading that. We have quite a few... God, I, I, I kind of forgot that we had a few fan fictions still to read, to be honest. Yeah. We've had... It's been quite a lot. You know, the, 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 this week we are amazed at how many emails have come in. So we're just all, I think, reeling from that more more than a bit. We've been inundated with stuff. So I think what we'll do is we can try and read it out next episode. Hmm. But for now, I think we better. We've got to. We've got to try and make some headway with this uh, staggering amount of correspondence. Well, I have a fascinating-looking email here from Emma, mm-hmm. titled "Sport Sins and Some Thanks." Dear Messrs. Clark and Moore, apologies for the long email, but you did say your inbox was empty. I already regret that. You mentioned unusual sports, and I think I have something for you, Dan. Have you ever heard of horseball? Uh. Simon, I have never heard of horseball. Now, this the next sen- sentence is going to give you more questions than it will give you answers. It's described as basketball and rugby on horseback. No. <laughs> no, it can't be. That, that... <laughs> basketball and rugby, like they bear any similarities at all, and then throwing in on horseback... Hang on, okay, wait, there is a little explanation here. Perhaps this will help, because at the moment I am very confused. Uh, simply put, a team of riders have to throw a ball with straps between themselves and shoot it into a hoop. But here's the difficult bit. If you drop the ball, you have to lean off the horse and pick it up or do a line-out like in rugby. Presumably you're still on the horse? You're doing like a, a line-out on horseback? So what it is, it's Quidditch. Yeah, it's Quidditch. It's, it's Quidditch on horseback. Amazing. Amazing. Wow. All while dodging tackles from the other team, bludgers, and galloping around with no hands. That's incredible. Oh my god, that sounds amazing. And very dangerous. <laughs> um, I currently play, Emma says, on a national level. Whoa. Sure, there's only a national and then international league, but it still counts. It's a brilliant sport, and the team I play with are the most lovely people imaginable and couldn't be further from the posh horse rider stereotype if they tried. I have to admit, this basically seems like, if if such a thing was possible, it seems like the working class version of polo. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But it sounds <laughs> so, way better than polo. Yeah, definitely. Oh, oh, attached, Dan, attached to a few videos of me falling off after a tackle pickups and a shooting exercise. We have video! Yes, yes. A thousand times yes. Okay, so this is, um, there are like... How many players can I even see? I can see one, two, three, four, five, I think, players. The ball is about the size of a rugby ball, but it's got these handles on it. Um, and they are, they're not fully galloping around. They're, they're like, I'd say, trotting. Trotting to canter speed in that first clip. And then... Whoa. And then the ball is being placed... So the hoop is like a Quidditch hoop. That is amazing. How have we never heard of this sport before? I, I don't know, but I'm, I absolutely love it. If we get an opportunity to play horseball, we are 1,000% making a video about it. Yeah, I'm just watching, I think it's the third clip. 
that they've sent of picking up the ball off the ground, just like casually leaning over and picking up a rugby ball, pivoting from the, the saddle. That looks so hard. Oh, wow. Look at the net. Yeah, right? This is incredible. Emma, this is incredible. Astonishing. Um, I, I also wanted to email you, Emma goes on, uh, to say, I wanted to email you both for your, to thank you for your candid discussions about mental health. I've been struggling for years and finally realising how much I related to you, I called my GP, who promptly referred me to therapy for depression. I'm not okay, but spending a lot of time thinking uh, I'm being weak or pathetic, powering through by denying it has been my strategy for so long and it's hard to unlearn. Hearing you talk about both your experiences has helped me process my struggles and worry a lot less about getting help. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. That is so yeah. amazing to hear. That's um, brilliant. That's kind of, we had a discussion, I think, even when we weren't recording about if by us talking about it, we can have any any kind of effect uh, that, that's going to positively benefit the readership, um, then, you know, what an amazing thing. So also amazingly brave you know, it's yeah. it's not an easy thing to do at all. So, bravo to you, and I really, really hope that um, you're you're starting to maybe feel a little bit better. We stand people taking their mental health seriously and seeing their GP. Uh, that's a fantastic step. Well done, Emma. Yeah. Um, one way I cope now is by crying in a ball. No, wait. One way I effectively cope is by, of course, listening to this podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, or audiobooks. Mm -hmm. My audible listening time is currently one and a half months. <laughs> Yeah. But with YouTube, I reckon I'll be on about three months. I mention this because I must repent my sins. We're, we're, <laughs> we're taking a brief a brief journey into County Pedantry, Dan. Uh, as the boys at my primary school kept taking Heroes of Olympus out of the library, I listened on YouTube. The app I accidentally used was called YouTube Downloader, not plain YouTube, and it was obviously removed from the app store, but not before I'd listened to the books and thus illegally downloaded them strong fergus can you please put the whole uh you wouldn't download a car music yeah in here, please yeah you wouldn't illegally download heroes of olympus yeah, 100 would emma did uh, so for three plus years i was repeatedly listening to illegally downloaded versions uh, i've since bought the series but still feel guilty i hope you'll forgive me fathers good uh, good well, save there emma adding the i've since bought them very very good uh, i i have since bought them definitely um well uh, i can certainly forgive you for that one that was um you weren't to know you know you didn't know that was illegal it's a victimless crime really you people better buy my book <laughs> if you pirate my book i'm gonna come out of your house be very appreciative that you're enjoying my work yeah Wait, no, that's the opposite of a punishment. <laughs> anyway, uh, currently I'm listening to Benedict Cumberbatch, sorry, um, uh, Bramble Patch, Cabbage Patch, narrate The Order of Time, a truly glorious mix of physics and smooth cumbertones. Ooh, Ooh. smooth cumbertones. Uh, any suggestions for poetry or good audiobooks would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Dan, quick suggestion, go. Ooh, um, I was listening last to um, the... Oh, what's that? What's the sequel to The Book of Dust? Uh, oh, uh, The Secret Commonwealth. Yeah the, yeah, the Secret Commonwealth. I've been listening to that. It's it's pretty good. Uh, it's being narrated by Michael Sheen, who is a bit of a legend. Um, I've also been listening to the audiobook of Ready Player Two, the Ernest Klein sequel to Ready Player One. Very fine. Oh, all right. And it's narrated by um, Thingy, the American D&D &D dude. Oh, Matthew Mercer. No. The other American D&D &D dude. Will Wheaton. Oh! 
Yeah. Quill Wheaton. Oh, fun. I, I would give you a recommendation, but I have not uh, listened to an audiobook in ever. Actually, I don't think I've ever listened to an audiobook. And I don't know poetry. So there we go. Boom. There's also a bunch of stuff here not for the podcast, Dan, if you'd like to read that in your own time. But um, Emma, that's one of the best emails we've ever received. Horseball. If people, if we, if there is an opportunity for Dan and I to visit and try horseball, we will 100% take you up on that and film it because that sounds amazing. For sure. There's an email here from Cara and it's titled Semi Unusual Sport and Podcast Reading Habits. A happy hello to the good Dr. Clark and Mr. Moore. Obligatory long time reader, first time writer here to share some rambles. I found Simon's PhD vlogs during my senior year of high school and to this day rewatch them as I make my way through my astrophysics degree. Ooh! Ooh. When I heard uh, that this wonderful podcast existed, I knew I simply had to take a look and wasn't disappointed. I personally absorb the content uh, you two produce via the podcast app on my iPhone. Oh. Uh, so the native, uh, the native podcast app, cool. Um, but have been trying to get my sister to tune in as well on Spotify as she is a film studies major and I feel she'd love your critiques. I'm sure she would. <laughs> yeah, d- definitely professional great critiques. <laughs> for sure. Uh, I have often waited for the right time to email in but always felt that... I wouldn't be too interesting, but for once I feel like I can at least offer some participation in answering the question at hand. So what unusual sport do I participate in? Bearbow archery. Yes. yes. I don't know what that is, but yes. I th- well, it's like a combination of basketball and rugby <laughs> and archery <laughs> on <But> horses. Archery. <laughs> <laughs> you, if you want to tackle someone, you have to shoot them with a bow and arrow. <laughs> I feel that this isn't highly unusual in Europe, however, it's quite overshadowed here in America by football, basketball, baseball, etc. I recently became a member of the USA Archery, uh, the National Federation for the Sport, as a collegiate archer and plan to compete in my first tournament next year, perhaps. Also, can we just go back to, to Kara saying, I feel like this isn't highly unusual in Europe. Yes, it is! Yeah, I mean, it's easy probably to think that as we both live in the country that it was home to such characters as Robin Hood and yeah. uh, other other Bowie people. <laughs> other archers. Yeah, other... Uh, and, Robin and Hood and, and other archers, archers is going to be my... Um, it's going to be the biography of Robin Hood that I write. I mean, I mean is Bearbow just like what we would call normal archery? Because I know, like, it's still unusual, but it's like... I don't know what the difference is between archery and barebow archery, you know? Like, is that... Because I know you can ha- add a lot of attachments and, you know, counterweights and stuff to... I think barebow archery is, is archery without those attachments and counterweights. Yeah. Which is pu- pure archery. I yeah. like that. I, I used, I've done a fair bit of archery, actually. I used to really enjoy it. Yeah, me too, actually. Huh. It's, it, I, I, I love it. I remember... Uh, we've said this before in relation to Chapel Choir, but I think you and I um, should do a little... Uh, center parks trip away yes absolutely can you imagine simon and dan go to center parks the movie yeah the that movie. would be like a, an hour and a half of content on spongy and electric fantastic <laughs> cara goes on to say i'm many years younger than the majority of members of the local club i've joined but i'm hoping that will give me more time for improvement as someone who didn't participate in sports in high school i'm concerned about making it work with the classes and schedule i have as a college student but hopefully I will one day be qualified to travel abroad to shoot the international field circuit. And to kill. And to, yeah, shoot to kill. You two always make me smile and laugh with your banter, so hopefully this correspondence wasn't too wordy or boring. Not at all, Cara. Perfect length. Really perfect length, Cara. Best wishes, Cara, age 20 years, 8 months, 18 days. I'll try to do better at a creative age system next time. If I had to give some critique, I'd say there wasn't enough horseball 
in in your email. But other than that, it was made up for with the barebow archery. Yeah. Now, um, Dan, I don't know if you remember this uh, mm. last episode, mm. but we asked if anybody was listening from Alaska. Oh yeah. And I have an email here from Eric saying, listening from Alaska. Dear Dr. Clark and Dan, the title of this email is a lie to grab your attention. Oh, for God's sake. Why did I not read the message before I read this out? Brilliant. (laughs) Damn it, I fell into your plot, Eric. The title of this email is a lie to grab your attention. It was a .nl email, um, or as the doctor say, .nl. I don't know, they might be registered with like a a Dutch university, but they, they are currently doing a semester in... Alaska. Yeah, mate. I mean, that sounds plausible. Keep reading and we'll see. Right. I was reading your last episode and it got me thinking, how little content I need to put into an email for you to read it out in an episode. (laughs) (laughs) You son of a bitch. Seeing as you read out an email from someone literally role-playing as a keyboard, I will assume this will not be too hard. I would try to not answer any of the questions you posed in the episode. However, uh... Hang on, what? I would try to not answer any of the questions you posed in the episode. However, I am not humble enough and so must mention that the weird sport I do is the Rubik's Cube, in which I have participated in the Dutch National Championships twice. Whoa. I have to admit, Rubik's Cubes became a lot less interesting to me once I realised that it was just like an algorithm Mm. to solve it. It's, you know, you get to... Oh, there's a T shape. Oh, right. So now you get it so that there's like a cluster in the corner, and then you do these moves to finish off one face. And you know, and then once it's like got to that point, I just I don't know. Yeah, I found it a lot less interesting. I guess. Um, the next bit says Simon, read this part. I, Simon Clark, am a big fan of Isabel Axelson. Thanks. Isabel is a good friend of mine who I sent your podcast to, so I hope she hears this. Hi, Isabel. I hope that you're doing well in. Alaska. Yeah. It's so great to hear about one of our readers from Alaska. From Alaska. <laughs> yeah, cover the mouth with like a, a hand, yeah. ADR over the top. From Alaska. Um, I think that was all. Peace, Eric, who's aged a f- load of minutes. Okay. P.S. Simon ordered your book. I can't wait to read it. Thank you, Eric, very much. So many of you have pre-ordered it. It's nuts, honestly. I am blown away by the response. Thank you. Thank you all so much. We've got an email from who did you just say hello to? You're joking. No, no way. We have an email here from Isabel Axelson. Hey! <laughs> Isabel says hello. In the latest episode, you spoke about sports that aren't very well known. I don't play any sports actually, unless you count dashing to make more tea between Zoom calls as a sport. But my twin sister does. Ooh! She used to do fencing, but when she moved to a small town to study, she had to give up, uh, give that up, and instead she took up a sport called underwater rugby. Amazing! It's like <laughs> it's like a cross <laughs> between <swimming>. rugby <laughs> and basketball on horses underwater with a bit water. of bareback, bareback, bow archery. <laughs> Oh my god, wow, we're, we're making our own hybrid sports. This yeah. is great. This is the future of the Wikicast. So, uh, and instead she took up a sport called underwater rugby. It's wild. It's exactly what it sounds like. They play rugby underwater with snorkels and flippers and everything. I'm not going to lie. I, I, when I read that, I originally hoped that they had like scuba gear on. Mm. You know, like you, you're trying to tackle someone and they turn around too quickly and they just twat you in the head with a giant metal tank of air. Yeah, or pierce your tank of air and you... Um, yeah. Things go south quite quickly. <laughs> but you have bladed weapons as part yeah. of underwater rugby. They all have spurs attached to their ankles. <laughs> Try and breathe now. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Very good. Very good. 
It's so method. I forget you were a method actor. (laughs) As it's underwater, you understand that it's difficult to film, but here is a link where you can see her team play. Scroll past the pictures. I'm not going to give you any more information, but I'm looking forward to seeing what you make of it. But I can try and answer any questions you have for the next time, if you have any. Right. I'm going to click on this link. uh, And this is Isabel's twin sister, I believe? Yes. We go past the Oh, a very pretty town. That's lovely. What's that? Eggersund. Right, here we go. So... The goal appears to be a like a bin, a waste paper basket, a, a waste paper basket, and it's like you know those um, uh, like Blue Planet documentaries uh, where it'll be like a, a, a shoal of fish mating in a frenzy. It's like watching that. There's a lot of body on body contact. Oh, that's cool. So there's somebody guarding the the waste paper bin. Uh, as like a goalie and then they're tapping out depending on when they run out of air that's cool wow this is really fun i would i would absolutely play this sport i would a hundred percent body you in this dan (laughs) i have no no doubt in my mind that if i hit you from the wrong angle i would snap you like a twig if you could catch me my nickname as a child was the racing snake because i used to i'm quite a good swimmer the mackerel. Yeah. <laughs> Tiny but very flexible fish. Wow, that's so cool. Wow. Oh, I love this. We've hang on, do we have any more weird sports emails? I'm really enjoying these. Uh I think that might be all of them. We do have a ton of other emails, but we've been recording for so long today, we are gonna have to yeah. call it there, I think. I think we we ought to say though, in terms of people picking up the brief and A writing in and B writing in on brand, you you guys have done an incredible job. So thank you so much. Yeah. Uh I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I really hope we can play some horseball at some point, Dan. I'm going to regret saying that, aren't I? We're gonna, I'm going to find myself in a muddy field somewhere in Surrey and be yeah. like, why did we agree to do this? No, we said horse, As... horse ball, not horse play. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right. We need to end this episode before we get hooked into taking part in underwater bareback archery rugby mm. with Spurs, apparently. Yeah. All right. So, Dan, what have we learned today? Today, we've learnt about the Marth, Mars... Bar, 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 bar. <laughs> oh, no. He's gone. I'm gone. That's it. We've learned about the Mars Pathfinder, Simon. What an article. One of my favourites. Absolutely Gotta awesome. Say. We discussed the uh, 2027 planned mission to Titan, uh, one of mm-hmm. Saturn's moons. Um we spoke about the new album Magnificat 2 that's come out from St. John's College, Cambridge. We discussed the possibility of, of advertising in the sky yeah. as well. New coffee pods from Nespresso, which are fun. I mentioned something about a book or something like that. And then we had some of the most amazing correspondents, including Horseball. Make it make Dan and Simon Horseball again. Yeah. Not Horseballs. That's that's going to be the thumbnail, isn't it? Yeah. Like just <laughs> male horses balls. Why why am I allowed to have this platform down? <laughs> Seriously, I don't know. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord, and if you'd like to see our faces, check out our YouTube channel, Sponge in Electric, soon to be home of the best horseball content on YouTube. Horseball power moves, bareback archery, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. A horseball power moves like the Konami code. Like you have to input the right directions into your horse and then it does like a spinning kick. 
Yeah, it does, a, it does a barrel roll. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole, and we'll see you next time.